When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're on The Burt Show. Is there anybody whose Valentine's Day was so lopsided or (laughs) was so bad that you're still feeling the ramifications of it? Like you messed up so badly on Valentine's Day. Here we are a week later and you're still feeling the L. 1-855-BURT-SHOW. What'd you do? What did you do? I think my entire relationship might have shifted and uh, might be trouble in paradise. But I don't believe it's my fault. I think I was set up. Okay. And I need y'all to give me some advice on, <laughs> on, on if I'm down bad or if maybe I'm overthinking this. Yeah, I like this. Play the victim immediately. Yep. Yeah, you got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> here's the thing, right? Technically, this was uh, the second Valentine's Day for my lady and myself. Now, the first one, I don't, I don't feel like it was that significant because the relationship was still so new. So I don't think either one of us really had big expectations going into it. I made it very clear. In the beginning, that I'm not big on Valentine's Day. I never really have been. It's not something I truly have ever celebrated or cared about. When I said that, uh, her face immediately told me, I don't care about none of that. I am. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, cool. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to meet you in the middle. Now, the first Valentine's Day, uh, I cooked for her. I got her some flowers, got her some candy, got her some bears. Typical stuff. That's nice. Nothing crazy. She got me a nice little card. She, uh, She got me some stuff as well. It was cool. It was yeah. like a cute Valentine's Day. And that first Valentine's Day, it, it's um, it's a little bit hairy because you don't want to uh, give a gift that is so unbalanced from the other person that you're like showing them all your cards immediately. Right. Exactly. So the second one was the one where I knew like, all right, now what? Because now we're going on two years. Now we realize that we've made it to this point. We have no plans on stopping. This one might be a little more significant. So I kind of tried to fill it out. And I was like, at some point, I was like, so, you know, what are we, what are we doing for Valentine's Day? And her reaction to me was very, um, it wasn't, she didn't show a lot of excitement. It was more like, uh, we don't have to do too much. I think we don't need to go out. We don't need to deal with the, with the crowd. We can do something small. We can do something for each other inside the house, make it, you know, a small event, so if that, you will. So that wasn't her saying, but not saying like, don't ask me what we're doing for Valentine's Day. Just do it, bro. Maybe. Okay. Maybe that makes actually a lot of sense, what you just said. Okay. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people in relationships, when it comes to a holiday like this, like their birthday, something, if I have to tell you what to do, then then what's the point? See, but here's the thing. I didn't... <laughs> here's the thing. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait one second. Uh-huh. I didn't necessarily want her to tell me what to do. Yes. I wanted her to tell me to what degree we were doing. Okay, the level. I mean, we going all out What are we doing here? Right. And she knows your take on Valentine's Day, which you're not very enthusiastic about, where hers is, it says something much more. Exactly. Okay. And in my defense, I mean, her birthday is in January. So Christmas... Her birthday, Valentine's Day, and our anniversary come month after month after month after month. One of these going to have to take her out, okay? There's too many gifts, man. There's too many. I went crazy for Christmas and her birthday. I needed a break. But Valentine's Day is here, so I was trying to fill her out. Now, when the day came, 
I started to get nervous because leading up to it, Bert kept saying, hey, don't get nothing simple. Go out your way. Be creative. Do something good for your lady. And I feel like she was listening to it, but she never mentioned it. So the day came and I walk into the apartment and I'm excited. I'm thinking I went all out because I got her these flowers that I normally get her, which are the ones that I think stay alive for like three years or something. Oh, yeah. Ooh, those are bougie. So I, I, got, I got her the bougie flowers. Yeah. And I even got her another set of flowers that she has to take care of because I know she actually enjoys the taking care of the flowers part. Okay, right? yeah. So I did that. Uh, I got some food. I got some of her favorite candies to be funny because uh, I just know how much she loves candy. And that about it. I got a nice card, and I wrote, like, in the card about our time together. And I was done. And I thought, oh, I did great. This will be great. Okay, there was some thoughtfulness in this, though. Right. All right, just the fact that you got the flowers for her that she has to take care of, and she loves that. So it was a little bit more than basic. And then it was her turn. And then she went into the room, and she came out of the room with like six or seven boxes of things. <laughs> what? And I'm looking like, who, who that's for? Where, what are we doing? So she's like, oh, no, it, it's small stuff. It's not anything big. The first thing I unwrap is a gift basket with like everything I ever liked in my entire life. <laughs> like everything. I mean, my favorite pacifier was probably in there. <laughs> it is everything that I consider a favorite. Candy, my favorite uh, liquor she got me, anything that I had mentioned that I needed, like a pack of T-shirts and a pack of this, a pack of that. And it just keeps going. And every time I think we're done, we're not done. <laughs> So then she gives, it's, a, it's another box that is behind the gift basket, and it's a smaller box, so I'm not sure what it is, but she's like, all right, that's, that's the last thing. So I'm like, what is that? I don't even want to open that. What is that? And she's like, oh, no, it's just something small. It's, it's just, you know, just open it. And I open it. It's a pair of Gucci slides. Oh, no. Small? Oh, no. Small where? So I said, I can't accept this. There's no way. She said, yes, you can. You do so much for me throughout the year. It's not a big deal. You didn't have to go out your way for me. I wanted to go out my way for you because of all that you do. It is normally you. She wanted to dote on you. Yeah, but I didn't didn't believe it. I didn't trust it because I don't know. Because she said to me, seriously, don't worry about it. It's okay. Like, this is me making up for all of the things that you do. Like, you're always taking care of business. And there's a part of me that feels like I appreciated that. Of course. But there's this other part of me that feels like she's going to hold this against me. Mm. And it's like the unsaid rule in this relationship. So I do feel like Mo speaks the truth here, that you got one of two different women here. You do. You got one that's going to be honest with you and going to be authentic, saying like, nah, man, I've been looking at everything you do for me all year long, and I wanted to shower you with love that day. You didn't have to do anything, baby. Or it's the women that say that, but they don't really mean it. That's what I'm afraid of. And I don't think she's that way. She's never shown me any signs of being that way. So it could really be self-imposed. But it felt so... She just wanted to spoil her man. I felt so empty, though, like that I came in there with with two flowers and you went (laughs) bananas like that. I just felt like a loser. But you you just said you went all out for Christmas, you went all out for her birthday, and so... 
you need to thank your lucky stars that you have a woman who recognizes that, doesn't take it for granted, and wanted to show appreciation and is grateful for all that you have done. Yeah, you won't know about this, how she really feels about it for another three years when you guys are all sitting around <laughs> with some friends, got some drinks in you, and you're talking about Valentine's Day, and she's like, all right, now that we're on it, 2024 was awful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's suck. You're not going to know for another three years. Man. I got him some Gucci slides, and he got me a pack of Dum Dums. <laughs> <laughs> That's what our relationship is right now. <laughs> so you start, your anniversary is next month? Yeah. Yeah, saddle up, buddy. Yeah, go it's come time. <laughs> <laughs> Abby and I can show you where all the designer handbags are. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. You're Appreciate welcome. it. You're, welcome. You're on The Burt Show. All right, let's get Vonda back on here for a follow-up because she was getting all set to propose to her man. Hey, Vonda. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Okay, so for those of you that didn't hear you the first time you were on, you were you were a little bit set to do something untraditional. You were going to go ahead and you were going to propose to mm-hmm. your man. Uh, how come? Okay. So this is my boyfriend of, of two years. And, um, you know, we had talked about marriage before. Uh, however, he's the kind of guy that, that gets nervous easily. You know, he puts way too much pressure on himself to make things perfect. And I didn't need perfection for a, a proposal. So I wanted to take that off of him. I wanted to take that pressure off of him, um, that need to, you know, for things to be perfect. So I thought it would be a great idea for me to propose. And I did it. You did it. Okay. Uh, give us the play-by-play here. Like, set the tone for us. Paint the picture. Where were you? Did you get down on a knee? Yep. So, we went out to dinner for Valentine's Day. Uh, we got back to his house. You know, we, we had a fire going. We poured a glass of wine. It was very romantic I did get a very simple ring. I had it in my pocket the entire time. Uh, I wrote something very sweet and personal uh, on a card for him. And I had asked if I could read it to him instead of him just opening it. And I got to the very end, which said, I couldn't imagine life without him. And so I have one question. Then I got down on one knee. I pulled out the ring and said, will you marry me? He did not answer. He pulled me back up. Then he got down on one knee, pulled the ring out of his pocket and said, you beat me to it. But will you marry me? And okay. He reverse Uno'd you. <laughs> <laughs> With a diamond. <laughs> so you, I'm assuming you said yes. So I'm engaged. Yay! Hey, oh, what a great trick that would be. If you get down on a knee and he says, no, I'm going to do this. And then he gets down on a knee and you're like, nah. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Wow. Oh, you guys proposed at the same time. That's so sweet. Wow. I love those videos that go viral, too, of couples that end up proposing to each other at the same time. It just means you guys are, like, on the exact same page. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. That's great. Congratulations. Uh, like I said, yeah, thank you so much. That's a super romantic story that you'll be able to tell. That can be passed story. down from generation to generation. That's what we all want. That's great. Congratulations, Vonda. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. <laughs>
Okay. All right, so, Abby, while you think you might be the greatest Taylor Swift fan, let Mo weave a tale for you. Oh, Mo, what you got? All right, so this story went viral, and I did a lot of digging <laughs> to ensure that it's a real story, and it appears to be a true story. And the brother is actually the one who told this story on Reddit, and that's how it started to spiral out of control. And people were commending the brother for his stance in this. So the brother is speaking about his sister who is married to her husband. And her husband, uh, he makes about 200 k a year. They are, they are in this marriage. She does not work, but they do have a joint account as a married couple. So he went into his account one day and realized that exactly $30,000 was missing. <laughs> and so, obviously, he went to his wife and he was like, hey, do you know anything about this $30,000 that is missing from the joint account? And she was very honest and open about it. And she said, yes, I borrowed it in order to go see Taylor Swift in Brazil. <gasps> borrowed? Borrowed. She's not yeah. getting that money back. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I think she's hoping to, but it doesn't look like it's going to go that way. How do you pay back a loan when you don't have a job? Exactly that. And also, how do you borrow money when you didn't ask if you could borrow money? That, to me, is called... Stealing? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so it's in a joint account, though. Or is it just yeah, his? No, it's, it's, it's a joint, joint account. account. It's, it's a joint so account. She borrowed right. from herself. Okay. And so I, I guess she's had a history of being pretty irresponsible with the finances and doing just dangerously spontaneous things throughout the marriage. And this was the one that put it over the top. Uh -huh. And he ended up kicking her out of the house. Oh. And so when she got kicked out of the house, she went to her brother to say, like, hey, I need a place to stay. I'm down bad. And this is where the brother kind of put himself in an am I the a-hole situation because he took a stance and told his sister, you got to get yourself out of this one. Yep. I've gotten you out of one too many jams in life, and you have to figure out a way to be responsible for the fact that you took $30,000 out the account Damn. just to go see Taylor Swift in Brazil. Yeah, you're on your own on this yeah, one. You're on your own, kid. But listen, I spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of money to see Taylor Swift, $30,000. Uh, yeah. That put me in a coma. She better bring you up on stage, and you should be knocking around that tambourine for $30,000. <laughs> <laughs> You're on The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's The Burt Show's entertainment buzz. There he was on the BAFTA's red carpet, just trying to get through it, answer the questions, and get into the awards ceremony. When he got a question that wasn't just unexpected, a lot of people thought it was inappropriate. So this was on the BAFTA's red carpet with BBC's arts and entertainment correspondent Colin Patterson. He stopped actor Andrew Scott, who most people know is the hot priest from Fleabag, and he asked whether or not he knew about he asked whether or not he knew Saltburn star Barry Keegan, who we all know from the nasty bathtub scene. And that's when things got a little uncomfortable. So the interview starts with him asking if he's seen all the salt burden scenes and Andrew starts to get visibly uncomfortable. He starts shaking his head. He kind of presses his lips together as if he doesn't want to respond. And why is he asking him these questions just to elicit a reaction? I think just to, because it's salt burn. It's one of the biggest uh, British films and it's, you know, the BAFTAs. So of course they're, huh. you know, trying to get a reaction and get some headlines about it. Gotcha. And at one point he just walks off and leaves. Mm -hmm. Do you know Barry well? I know Barry, yeah. Okay, your reaction when you first saw the naked dance scene at the end of Saltburn. <laughs> no spoilers, please, though. <laughs> okay, well, listen, I won't spoil it for anybody. It's you know, great, it's great. You can spoil away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I won't spoil it for anybody. There is a lot of talk about prosthetics. How well do you know him? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> too much, too much. Idiot. Yeah, so a lot of fans felt like the journalist was being a little skeezy in this moment, especially 
especially because Andrew is gay. So it's kind of like the equivalent of asking a straight female co-star to answer a question about your male co-star's genitalia. Yeah. Presenter Alex on Twitter said um, that this is frankly disgusting. Andrew Scott is there to support his multiple nominated film. And this is what you ask. Mm -hmm. He looks visibly uncomfortable and the guy carried on truly horrid. Which is odd from the BBC. Like, if, if National Choir did it, yeah, I'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, that's par for the course. Well, I just think that things have changed so much over the years now. Everything's clickbait, right? So yeah. while you have these, um, you know, these websites and um, these institutions that used to be so credible, now it's about clickbait. Ask something outrageous. Get people to our website. Exactly. And to an extent, I do feel a little bit bad because every interview you have, it's totally dependent on the person that you're talking to. And you could have asked another actor that and they might have had fun with that question. So to an extent, I have a little bit of empathy for the journalist thinking, oh, maybe Andrew will have a fun time with it. And, you know, he'll think it's cheeky. But to somebody else, they're going to feel so uncomfortable about it. I'm perplexed because this is the second time we've talked about this. Um, Journalists not being able to read the room. Like, as, as soon as you ask that first question, like Savannah Guthrie with Kelly Rowland, right? And in this instance, you could tell he was uncomfortable. He didn't want to answer it. So, I don't know, pivot and move on and ask <laughs> right. something different. I think people should start, like, I don't want to say embarrassing the journalists, but I certainly think they should start making it an awkward situation and, and making people realize that when you ask these ridiculous questions to get clout, that it won't be worth it in the end. And then I think that's when it'll stop. Can I ask you guys a total sidebar question? It has very little to do with what you're talking about except the prosthetic part. Okay. Well, thank you for pivoting. Uh, have you guys seen, I mean, of course you've seen on TikTok the uh, get ready with me trends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you see the one that was going around yesterday of the dude that went over the top on it? No. no. Okay. Uh, so it's a dude that I don't know if he was parodying this or he was really getting ready, but as he's talking to the camera, he is totally naked, and he puts his pants on. You guys haven't seen this? No. no. Okay, then never mind. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you guys if that was a prosthetic or not, because that is a gifted person, uh, and I didn't know if it was real or not. So it's a naked man just on TikTok doing a get ready with me? Yeah, So and the first thing that he does is he's totally naked, and he puts his underwear on. But is you that see- allowed on TikTok? That's what I was about. I'm like, how is this oh, yeah. allowed on TikTok? It wasn't blurred out or nothing? It was what? It wasn't blurred out? Oh no! You sure you sure you were on TikTok? Get- there, there wasn't enough blur on the United in the United States to blur that thing out. That's gonna get yanked in more ways than one. But TikTok will take that down. Yeah, by the time I saw it, it, it had been circulating on Twitter and it was kind of trending yesterday. So I just assumed maybe you guys saw it or not. No. Oh, so you saw it on Twitter, not on TikTok. It was a TikTok that had made its, it, okay. its way oh, to tw- Twitter. Okay, yeah, no. Twitter. Yeah, yeah that's I was normal. Like, Dude, we need to talk about your algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even on TikTok. Yeah, um, I think you were on a different app called porn talk (laughs) (laughs) but this had to be and it wasn't uh in the aroused stage and i just thought this has got to be fake but i wanted to get sure maybe it was wishful thinking on my part (laughs) (laughs) there's been rumors that uh ever since they started using them on television that people have been using them for clout and I, I, I never wanted to mention it because then you just sound like a hater as a man. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they say. I was just curious. It can also be AI now. It could be. Okay, AI certainly is very advanced now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a lot of Marvel fans are saying that this is one of the worst MCU flicks to ever come out. I'll tell you which film you might want to avoid seeing on your next eBuzz on The Burt Show. You're on The Burt Show. A few people online have asked me the same question. Um... If I knew how difficult or how challenging it would be to get off of anxiety meds, would I have started taking them 
in the first place 20 years ago? And my answer to that would be absolutely. <laughs> I am. Uh, it, it served its purpose at the time. Um, if you're a new listener, I've been on Effexor now for 20 years, small, small amount. But I'm not sure that I'm that anxious of a guy anymore. And I've been on it for so long that I want to find out. So I've been weaning myself slow, slowly off of it. And it's been challenging. Uh, it hasn't been brutal, but it's been challenging. Um, that said, um, man, it sure did take the edge off for 20 years. So I'm not taking that 20 years back. That's for sure. But here Cassie is now, and she's just starting this journey. I am. And it's one I've been thinking about for a while. And it's one of those weird things where... I know people who take anxiety meds, like Kristen, you've been so open about your journey with Lexapro and anxiety, but for some reason, I just never was like, that's not for me. Like, I don't, not like I don't need it and not like I'm better than it. I just was in a place where I didn't think I qualified for it. Does that make sense? Like, I just, oh, I can handle what's going on. And long story short, after I had my first child, I got into like a really bad postpartum depression state. It was really dark for me. And then my OCD flared up in my anxiety. I would have intrusive thoughts about death and dying constantly throughout every day. And I couldn't handle things like things like um, horror movies. Couldn't watch them because it would just trigger me. News, if a a child passed away, I would go into an emotional spiral and the afternoon would be shot. And I wouldn't be able to, I'd be able to function, but... I'd be emotionally wrecked to the point, too, if I saw anything horrific on TV, I'd sleep with the lights on because I would need to be able to see immediately my surroundings. And none of this was a red flag for me for some reason. I wouldn't let mail come in past a certain section in the door. We had clean areas of our house. Um, If a kid's toy touched the floor in a certain part of the house, it had to be immediately washed, even if it just came out of the washer. And and there was a question in your mind that you didn't need the meds? Well, (laughs) no, because I thought... There were several things that happened and it was, I thought it was, this is what it's like being a mom. I thought it was hormones and we were in the middle of a pandemic. So it kind of all clouded. Yeah. 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 Together. And I was like, I guess this is what being a mama bear is now. You're just paranoid about everything. And I didn't really have the resources in place to tell me, you know, that's not normal. And the people who did tell me it was normal, like from family or friends, I'm just like, well, you were a mother like 40 years ago. Things are different now. We know more, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so I just went about my life and it it started, it would mess with me sometimes, like especially trying to go to bed. I had to make sure all appliances were unplugged. If I was halfway to work and I thought I left the, the hair straightener in, I'd turn around and go back to just to double check it. Because for me, even though the odds of something happening were slim, the consequences of that, if that thing did happen was unfathomable and I couldn't have that happen. So it didn't really interfere with my day-to-day that much, which is why it just didn't occur to me to do it. And I was also breastfeeding, and I know it can be safe, but again, the paranoia and the anxiety set in, so I was like, I don't want anything in my body at all. I I wouldn't even take Advil while I was pregnant. Like, it just, I didn't want it. So recently, I took a look at my life, and I was like, all right, I actually think if I'm being honest with myself and looking, like, the anxiety is actually impeding my life in ways I didn't realize. It's making home life very difficult. I mean, the amount of times I had to do the washing machine and certain chemicals can't touch the other clothes. Like it was like a weird little matrix of rules that only I knew what was appropriate and what wasn't. And my husband was so amazing in going along with all of this, but I know it was stressing him out and I could see it starting to stress my relationships. 
and I didn't feel like myself. And I realized, you know, I think at one point people were so mean online whenever I'd talk about my anxiety. I felt so much shame about it that I wouldn't want to talk to anyone about my feelings because I felt shamed by strangers online, but other people in my life as well. And it it got to the point where I felt like I wasn't allowed to talk about any of my anxiety because I would just be written off as highly neurotic and OCD. And so I also got to a point where I couldn't really tell what was real and what wasn't. And I don't mean like I was hallucinating. I just meant I could not assess a threat level appropriately Mm. because everything was DEFCON to me, DEFCON 1. And so I wasn't really able to distinguish. So things that I would say or share that were really important to me, other people would be like, well, that's nonsense. That's not important to me. And then they would deride me for it. And then I would get very confused. And I just sat in the spot where I lost my self-confidence. I lost my ability to, you know, feel confident in my decisions and, and stick by who I was and the things I believed because I couldn't trust myself any longer All I knew was I was keeping my family safe the best way that I knew how. And it sounds worse than it was. It's not like I was locking us all in a basement. It's just, it was really centered around germs and cleanliness. So, you know, after honestly listening to Kristen talk, and thank you so much for being so open, Kristen, with your journey, um, I decided to talk to my doctor about going on it. And I had been prescribed Prozac years back when I had uh, postpartum depression, but then I got pregnant with my son and I didn't want to take it. And so I started taking Lexapro at the end of December. Um, and I hadn't, I told my husband and I told a couple of people, um, Kristen, I, you knew, Bert had known. And I really just wanted to see where it could take me because at this point, and one thing that really pointed me in the right direction is I had started taking a supplement called berberine. Don't take anything without talking to your doctor, but it was something for anxiety. And I started to feel the edge come off a little bit. And I was like, well, if a natural herb can do this for me, maybe it's time that I see what actual medication can do for me. Um, so I started taking it and it felt it felt like a relief because when I took the tests, I found out I had anxiety, I had OCD, and then I had, and they were mild, but surprisingly fairly moderate depression, which I didn't realize I had. If you had talked to me, I wouldn't have said I was depressed. I just didn't recognize it because that's just how my life was now. And I started taking it and it felt like a physical weight was lifted from my shoulders. Like my chest no longer felt heavy. I no longer felt the pressure. And I started noticing when I started having intrusive thoughts or the compulsions around checking the stove or the doors several times, I was able to control it and be like, it's fine. You checked it and trust myself that I checked it and it was good enough. Doesn't it feel so good to have trust in yourself again? It does. And I started to feel like myself coming back. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Bert, I think you had given the analogy a while ago. Like if you don't know you need need glasses, then you put them on. You're like, wow, this is what the world's supposed to look Uh like. It started to do that for me, and we kind of went from grayscale to a little bit of color. And I was like, all right, I feel more like myself than I have, to the point where actually some listeners who are very sweet reached out, and they they didn't know, but they were like, I don't know what you've done since the holidays, but you just seem different and lighter. And I'm like, well, it's drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so it was a rocky start, I'll be honest. I I don't want to sugarcoat any of it. 
Um, I didn't react super well to the Lexapro. I didn't have a fog, but nausea. I was tired every day. I'd wake up with panic attacks at 3 a.m., shaking. But then my body got used to it, and that's when I started to feel a little more in control. But I didn't feel like I was quite there yet. It felt like I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like I was in a dark room, and now we had a nightlight turned on. And then I could, so the nightlight allowed me to see kind of what I had been missing, but we're not in full technicolor yet. So, I mean, I can share. I literally met with my doctor yesterday and we upped my dosage some more to see if that's going to help regulate because now I'm in a place where I can see my old self inside, but she's not like fully out of the cage yet. Like I, I don't know how to access that. And it sounds very strange, but until you've lived in a world where you rationally remember your old self and how happy you were, but you can't quite flip that switch mm-hmm. on it's this weird dichotomy of I miss my old self, but is this just who I am now as my life just changed and trying to find that balance? Because mm-hmm. the doctor said, when's the last time you were happiest in your life? And I could just say childhood, but I don't expect to get my childhood happiness back. I was naive and innocent. Everything was taken care of. So I, she, I said in recent history it was before I had kids and it's not because oh of the kids, it's because <laughs> right. of the hormonal changes and the life changes and the lack of sleep and just everything basically in my life blowing up and getting turned upside down. Um, so I'm still on the journey. It's mm-hmm. definitely taken the edge off. We'll see if Lexapro is still right, but I definitely have a better control on the anxiety and OCD parts. To the point where now I actually feel like I can watch horror movies. I don't feel triggered if I read about a very sad death or news. It's not going to send me into a spiral. I can shut it down and turn it off and and deal with it in a way I couldn't before. And so I think I'm sharing this because if you've been on the fence, not really because of the stigma, but because maybe you just it didn't occur to you that these drugs could help you because you didn't think you had enough trauma or you didn't have enough physical reactions because I think... When I had listened to Kristen, you always talked about your anxiety. It, it manifests physically as well. And I was like, well, I don't have that. So I don't have panic attacks. So it's not for me. Um, but it might be for you. And there's no shame in talking to your doctor about it and taking some of the tests that they, they're like written tests and they can evaluate you for depression or anxiety. Yeah. So proud of you. Thank you. Really? Thank you. Well, if one of the side effects is this scratchy Sophia Bush voice that you have this morning, <laughs> I'm all for it. Oh. I'm obsessed with Sophia Bush. No, this is this is Saturday night, too much shouting, teaching my kid how to do her projective voice for her presentation. And <laughs> I was on the floor working on the presentation with her, and my back hurt, so I slept on my back all night and snored, and now I sound like this. So, I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at it. <laughs> well, don't get used to it. It's a virtue. Are you looking for excitement in Atlanta. Well, you got it right down the street at Mercedes-Benz. That's where Atlanta United plays. And I've been telling you for years, it's one of the most exciting nights that you will have with your family. Soccer is different. It's just different than going to a football game, baseball game. There is no downtime. I mean, the excitement lasts the entire game at an Atlanta United match. And it doesn't even matter if you're really, really into soccer or not. I'll tell you one way to get into soccer. Just go to one Atlanta United game and you will get caught up in the excitement so much that you'll become a lifelong fan. I'm telling you this right now. 
I love bringing my son Hollis there. I love bringing his friends there. I know it's going to be a safe family event, and I know I'm going to walk out of there. I got some memories now with my kids. So don't look any further. You got one of the best soccer teams in the country right here in our own backyard, Atlanta United. Just give it one try, Atlanta United. You can always get your tickets at atlutd.com. If you're looking for somewhere to celebrate, whether it be a birthday or a graduation or anniversary, May I recommend an Atlanta United match? So my husband and I just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary. He is a massive Atlanta United fan. So, of course, we decided to go to a match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and had the best time. I'm telling you, if you're a super fan, if you're a casual fan, going to an Atlanta United match is a great way to celebrate. My husband got to watch a great match, and I got to enjoy delicious wine, and I also may have gone to the team shop and got myself a new sweatshirt. I'm very excited about my new Atlanta United sweatshirt. (laughs) And kudos to Atlanta's fan base, because every time we ride Marta to go down to a match, it is packed full of people wearing their Atlanta United gear. Visit atlutd.com for tickets and also for the match schedule that's atlutd.com hey y'all it's katie here from the bird show pride unites us all and so does atlanta united that's why i'm giving you the chance to win a spot in the bird show's pride night suite in celebration of pride month that's right join me and the bird show crew on sunday june 2nd as atlanta united takes on the fierce rival charlotte fc with kickoff at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We need to beat Charlotte, so we will be loud and proud. Believe that. Oh, and by the way, did I mention Atlanta United is giving away a -a one-of-a-kind Pride-inspired towel, plus a $5 donation to Lost and Found Youth, an Atlanta-based nonprofit that provides services to the LGBTQ plus youth, which is included with your Pride Night ticket pack. Remember, to enter for your chance to win a spot in the Bird Show's Pride Night Suite, head over to thebirdshow.com. To guarantee your tickets and pride towel, go to atlutd.com and click the promotional packs tab for more details. Can't wait to see you all there June 2nd at 4.30 p.m. Together, we are Atlanta. Atlanta United. See you there. Get it. The Bird Show. Asked a very basic question to a woman. And most women did not like her answer at all. So dude named George Janko, uh, I guess he's got a podcast, uh, asks a couple of women that are in the studio. Like, from At Girls Gone Bible. Asks a woman, um, what does a man need to do for women to notice him? It's a basic question all guys want to know. This was her answer. What does a man need to do to get you guys to notice him? Well, you see videos of men, oh, they need to grind. You got to be the leader of the house. You need to kill an alligator with your hands. I want to hear what women want from men. This is all we want. (laughs) We want a man who acts like a man, who's manly, who takes care of things. I don't need you to kill an alligator with your hands, but I need to feel so feminine around you because you are so masculine that I can turn my brain off because I know you've got it. I trust your intellect. I trust your character. I trust that I can close my eyes and follow you blindly and I'm going to be happy about where I end up. You tell me where we're going and we're all set. And we live in a time of new age feminism and this whole idea that women and men need to be the same and they need to compete and it's all from the enemy. It's all lies. (laughs) Women were upset like Cassie is right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not upset. That's what she is looking for in a man. If I was to be asked that question, um, yes, I do want to feel safe with a man, but not in a physical sense. I want to feel safe emotionally 
I want to feel safe spiritually. I want to feel safe mentally. I want there to be trust. I want there to be unconditional love and understanding. Um, I am in charge of my own femininity. I don't need a man to make that happen for me. Um, And I just, for myself... What what I what I am needing from a man, I get from my husband every single day, and it has nothing to do with masculinity. The problem with takes like this is there's always like a nugget of truth, and so yeah. it's very hard to dismantle. Because, like Kristen said, yes, I'd, I'd like to feel safe. I'd like to be able to close my eyes and blindly trust my husband, and I do. But I don't want that for the whole relationship. Like I would like to be my independent self. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no competition between men and women. It's just equality. Mm-hmm. I want to be, I want an equal partner. And I would also like for my husband to feel safe, blindly trusting me mm-hmm. if he wanted to. And that's where it kind of sucks because there are great nuggets of truth in that conversation about what you should have in a loving, secure, healthy relationship. But it's just not quite that extreme. I was once in a relationship where this came up uh, and I wasn't down with this theory at all. Um, although I will say this too, that <laughs> interestingly enough, Interestingly enough, when I was on safari a couple of months ago, right, and I'm in South Africa, that my guide, uh, I don't know how we got into it because you're not constantly seeing animals. So there's a lot of downtime where you're hanging out and talking about different things. And this dude was like one of the smartest guys I've ever hung out with in my life. But we got on to relationships and males and females, and he was talking about how... And I am really paraphrasing, so I'm not doing his intelligence justice at all. But it was something like this, is that out here in the wild, the males pretty much have the responsibility of making sure that the females are secure so the females can take care of basically what's going on with the kids and what's going on with the home. So the males go out, they hunt, they gather, they bring uh, back for the women to be the best females that they can be, right? And there's never an argument between the woman or the female, I should say, and the male. She never goes, you know what? I think I'd like to hunt half the amount of time. That's just not how it's done with mammals and animals in the real world. And his take was, if we could bring that into our world, the human world, that things would run a lot smoother. Not my words. Don't come down on me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're, he's talking about typical, stereotypical gender roles, and that just doesn't work because, one, like, it's so torn. There are bears who have to protect their cubs from other male bears who want to kill the cubs so that they can have their cubs. It's not that simple. And then I'll also argue humans have a way higher intelligence and know. social constructs. I don't know about that. Yeah. Also- When's the last time you were online? <laughs> I watch a lot of um, Blue Planet and Planet Earth thanks to like having a toddler now. Um, there's a lot of absentee fathers in the animal world. <laughs> um, most, uh, most females are responsible for raising the young on their own. Uh, there are few animals. But that's what he was saying, is that, that the raising of the cubs or whatever is responsibility of the female who feels safe because the male there's no goes male. out. No, I'm talking. Oh, there's he's a just lot, males. Yes, there's a lot of animals that once they have, like, you will watch and be like, yes, she gave birth, blah, blah, blah. Now the father goes away forever to find another mate, to have another mm-hmm. child. There's a lot of absentee fathers in the animal world. That's where I think like this, this doesn't hold any weight because it it doesn't pertain to the human race. You've got lions where the lionesses are the ones hunting. You have black widows who kill their partner afterwards and (laughs) eat them. I mean, with that, 
you you can't just boil it down mm. because that, that's the just, problem. What works for one species, like a big cat, doesn't work for <laughs> humans who are very very different. And I, you know, if you want to live in the traditional gender roles and be super feminine, stay at home, mom, cook. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. But to expect that for all women and then to expect your partner in the relationship, it's their responsibility to make you feel that, I think is unequal and unfair. So I think it sounds archaic because it is. I think think the opinion they're giving is talking about the most primal part about humans because I do think there's truth to what they're saying. Like I do think when women instinctually like to, talk about like big strong or tall men it's like the primal part of you thinking back to like you know 2000 bc to when you would need somebody to protect you in that kind of context but humans have evolved past it so it doesn't really work for us in 2024 but um, i'm with you in the sense that i get what they were trying to say like there's nuggets of truth in wanting to feel feminine and protected because there's probably a primal part of you that feels that way but we're living in 2024 and that's not necessarily a need that we have what do you think there alpha dog <laughs> i actually cash said a lot of what i was gonna say especially that with the safari thing and the lions i think that's hilarious because yeah the, the male lions uh-huh. be chilling they, they don't, they don't they do, do anything <laughs> but i think yeah it's nuggets of truth that's all it is times mm-hmm. change uh people evolve and it might just be me but i am very tired of these one take uh fits all videos and these generic like general men and all men and all women and i think people should just start speaking for themselves because everybody Mm. is different and everybody has different expectations and different things that they're looking for by the way yes there's a lot of absentee fathers in the animal kingdom but shout out to the emperor penguins those are some real dads right there (laughs) they hold it down they hold it down they're the ones that spend two months holding on to that egg Mm -hmm. so i just want to give them their proper kudos go off king or emperor <laughs> get it? The Bird Show. All right, so let's get Natalie on here. We need to get a follow up with mm-hmm. here real quick because she's never liked her boyfriend's or her best friend's husband, I should say. She kept quiet about it, but now her best friend is pregnant. She just found out husband is cheating on her. Did she tell the best friend or not? This will be the second time we talked to her. So we just really need to follow up. Hey, Natalie. Hi. Hi. I know I kind of like went over that really, really quickly. Am I missing any details there for those that might have missed it the first time? I mean, that that's the gist of it. Like, she's my best friend, and I, I don't like this guy, and we heard this rumor, and I just don't know if I should tell her or not. Okay, so now you got this rumor going on, and I think when, when we talked to you about it last time, we're like, this is just based on rumor. I mean... The stakes are high here. You haven't seen it with your own eyes. If you're going to go to your pregnant best friend, um, you better have some concrete proof right. and not just a rumor. So what you got? What's the follow-up? So uh, I started talking to one of the girls that's in this friend group about that rumor, and like I told her I considered telling my best friend, but since there's no proof, I was like, oh, I'm not going to tell her because, like y'all said, it's mm-hmm. it's stirred the pot for no reason. Well, this girl said that there's definitely proof, and she started texting someone else from the group, and, like, within a few minutes, she sent me this text with a picture of the night that it supposedly happened, and sure enough, it was a picture of the husband super close with this other woman with his hands on her, and their faces were, like, inches apart. Like, it was definitely proof. I've got the picture on my phone now. I just haven't said anything. All right, so you're holding on to this right now. Yeah. All right, so that changed the game for you guys? Yeah, it yeah, does. It does. Uh, 
because now you have proof. And if my best friend's sitting on something that would blow up my entire life and she doesn't say anything to me, I'd have major problems with her. Yeah. Now that you have photographic evidence, um, you need to hand it over to her. For me, it would change it too. If it's my best friend and I have mm-hmm. it, I got the smoking gun, I'm definitely saying something. I just don't know. Do you say something while she's pregnant or do you wait? <sighs> Because uh, now you're starting to that. think like health of the baby, right. and stress and all that, right? Because, I mean, stress um, does unspeakable things to a body, let alone one that's pregnant. I'm with Mo here, especially if you're a best friend. And we throw this term around a lot on the bird show. But if you're a best friend, you're a sister. <laughs> um, you are a trusted friend. Um, so if you were to approach her, it wouldn't be meddling. I mean, these are facts and you're trying to protect her from a good place. So I'm with Mo. I would say something. Just don't know when. Yeah, that's. But the problem is, like, postpartum's no picnic either. I mean, you are highly sleep deprived. You could be dealing with postpartum anxiety or depression. If it's your first baby, there's a lot to learn. Like, there's lots of learning curves like that. That first year, I mean, not for everybody. I'm just speaking from my personal experience. That first year was rough. And if somebody came to me with information like this, that would have pushed me over the friggin' edge. I'm going to the husband. And I'm going to show him what I have. And I'm going to say, get your S together. This stops now or I'm telling her. Because I'm not telling her until like at least that baby's a year old. Yeah. So it's his chance to get his stuff together. And then you can tell her after the kid's a year old. But just knowing the amount of support you need those first few months and where your head's at, Kristen's right, with postpartum stuff, I would not tell her until later. Hey, Natalie, um, what kind of relationship do you have with the husband, even though you're not down with this guy anyway? Um, Could you approach him? I could. I just don't think it would end well. We we don't get along at all. Yeah, there are no, none of these circumstances are going to end well. None of them. Yeah. I mean, so it's like a choose your own bad adventure. And you also have to be careful if not knowing this man, you have information like that, he may retaliate against you. So you have to also have to look out mm-hmm. for that. I'm curious, as women, what would y'all want? If you were in that situation, would you be upset that your friend withheld the information and told you after, even though she had the information all that time because you were pregnant? Personally, this is this is just me. I wouldn't want to know. No, Mm-mm. never. Mm-hmm. I I would want to know. I, if I felt like people were keeping things from me and making decisions on my behalf, thinking they knew what was best for me, that would really, really bother me. And that's because I'm a little bit of a control freak mm-hmm. and I like to know all the details. I'm someone who really values context. And I went, and if I went through my entire pregnancy thinking I was living a certain life with this man and he was off doing other things, that would really, really bother me. And I would look back on what should have been a happy time with a lot of anger and resentment. So I've never been pregnant. So I don't feel like I can really speak to what you should tell a pregnant person, but from what I can, what from what I think I would want, I would want to know. So, Kristen, if you are choosing to not know, that pretty much gives license to the husband to continue not only with this person, but with other people down the road also, when it potentially could stop now. Allegedly. So you still, but I mean, they, now they got pictures. Well, they have a picture of him standing close to a woman with his hand on her. Like, you don't have, you. Ha- he was being inappropriate. You have a picture of him being inappropriate. You don't have fact of infidelity. So, let me twist it just a little bit and ask you this. Okay, the infidelity for sure, no matter what, is 100% there. You would still not want to know about that no matter what. Correct. Giving Bart pretty much license to continue this affair or with another woman as well. I'm not giving him license because I don't know about it. Right. Okay. There's actually one thing we should think of though because if he is having an affair and he catches something and he gives it to the pregnant mom, that can affect the health of the baby. That is fact as well. So now I am backtracking. I would tell her. 
Absolutely. It's, a, it's, it's hella complicated. Uh-huh. Oh, no road is a good one for you here, Natalie, but at least we debated it, about it enough to where you have some things to chew on, but none of these are great scenarios. Well. Good chat. We yep. left our speech. So I got to bite it in. Yeah. <laughs> Get it. The Bird Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. When you go to see a Marvel movie, it's such a successful franchise that you're not really expecting anything that less than like a C-rated movie. But the latest installment in the franchise is getting such horrible reviews that it might be an F- minus on the scale. So Madam Webb currently has a 13% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's how poorly it's doing with critics. And I have to say some of them are absolutely hysterical. The Wall Street Journal says it collapses so pathetically that studio execs might have well, might as well dialed 911 to rescue it. The Atlantic <laughs> says, I almost admire the sheer lack of effort on display in the acting, storytelling, and set pieces. To say that Johnson, Dakota Johnson, in particular, phoned this performance in would be an insult to Alexander Graham Bell. ABC News says, God awful is too wimpy a word for this super diva cash grab that sinks Dakota Johnson in what feels like a random batch of half-baked ideas tossed at the screen in the cynical assumption that will buy any lazy yeah. hack work that Ooh. is Spider-Man adjacent. Resist. So interestingly enough, uh, Madam Web is actually not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the ones who are putting out the Avengers and all that, it's not done by them. It's done by Sony who did Morbius, that Jared Leto one that also tanked. But the theory is Dakota Johnson didn't realize that when she signed on because when she announced she was playing Madam Web, she ta- tagged Marvel Cinem- like Marvel Studios who are not a part of it and then asked like, Elizabeth Olsen who plays one of the characters like, um, you know, her feedback on how to do it. So everyone's like, oh, Dakota thought she was signing on to a legit Marvel franchise, not knowing it was really just Sony and their little universe that they're building out around Spider-Man. Well, isn't that an agent's job to like fill them in on something? Something like that. Uh-huh. I heard she fired her agents once she found uh, out about this. Uh-huh. Yikes. Yeah, so it's not going well. And it seems like even Dakota knew it was such a bad movie because during this interview with Entertainment Tonight, she was giving us absolutely nothing but awkward vibes. And it should have been a tell for what was to come. What do you see for the future of Madam Web? Well, it is a standalone world. Honestly, it depends if Sony's happy with how the movie does. Do you know or have a hope of like who the Peter Parker is in this world? I have no idea. Marvel movies are the most confusing. Like, having to know past storylines is so confusing, so I'm really grateful to be in one where you don't really have to know mm-hmm. anything going into it. <laughs> There's a mentor slash generational kind of gap between these girls and, and Cassie. What was your relationship with, with the three girls on set? as actresses. Um, similar. <laughs> it was so fun to have them around and they, the three of them really bonded and then there was me. <laughs> it, just, it just feels like she phoned in this interview. Yeah. That is very typical. Like Dakota Johnson interviews are very, she has like this, and it, I do find her likable, but she has a DGAF like air about her for sure. But 
the fact that the critics were painting this before it even hit and the Rotten Tomatoes score was 17 before hmm. it even hit theaters to see that it's <laughs> dropped and it's even getting worse reviews. Like, oh, ow. <laughs> it's one of those movies that's getting so much buzz for being terrible that I know people that are yeah. going to see it just because they want to know how yeah, bad sure. it is. I actually yeah. want to see it uh, yeah. <laughs> because the reviews are so bad. Sometimes, though, you know, my son is really into Marvel and DC. Marvel, I think, specifically. Um, and what he, as a hardcore superhero and comic book fan, he goes into that movie with a way different expectation than I do. I just want to escape for 90 minutes. That's all. Storyline. Give me something that I can understand and digest, and then I'll walk out of there, and I'll love it. And he will pick – he's so educated on everything in these worlds that he will pick everything apart, and he can't watch it just for the sake of entertainment. Wow. He should do, like, movie reviews for uh, us. I told him that. Tell him, tell him to phone it in. It would be great to have him buzz in for an e-buzz. I, I suggested that, and he's like, Dad, nobody listens to radio anymore. Oh, <laughs> did you tell him? Well, we have a podcast now. Did you say you know how you're attending college, That's right? That's exactly what I said. Your, your daddy's yeah. uh, radio paycheck. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, you know what movie I, did, I didn't hate this weekend that I totally expected to? I turned on that Jennifer Lopez, what looked like it should have been a Marvel movie movie called This Is Me yeah. Now. Your fever dream trailer? It looked like an absolute fever dream. I thought, oh my God, this is this is her trying to come for Dakota Johnson's job. I didn't hate it. Really? It, so it's was about, the bar set so low in the trailer though? Because it looked like it sucked. I think that's why most people like this Madam Web movie because they're going into like some pe- they're going in with like the thirteen percent mar- uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes rating and they're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. So I went in with low expectations and honestly, I had a good time. Really? If you like J Lo's music, it's basically like a bunch of music videos strung together. It's a little mm-hmm. choppy, but you know what? I really respect J Lo for taking a creative risk, and I think it panned out for her. I made it five minutes. <laughs> Is that right? You gave it. At least you gave I, it. I tried. Shot. I did try, though. Even that booty couldn't save it. Nope. <laughs> it wasn't enough. <laughs> For more stories, head to the Burt Show podcast on your favorite listening platform. Get it, the Burt Show. Hey, we're all for romance here. What a beautiful romantic proposal this dude put together. Of course, she immediately said yes and was overcome with emotion, except for a little, little bit, a little bit of red flag. All right, so let me paint the picture for you. Close your eyes. You see a beautiful park, green grass, an aisle of white roses, a huge peachy heart of roses. I'm talking about this puppy's like eight feet tall, giant letters that glow that say, marry me, fireworks that shoot up around the letters that say, marry me. And then her future husband there at the end of the aisle to propose. Belly Bell on Instagram walks down the aisle. Her man proposes and she says yes. And she posts this on Instagram. 212, the day I received my forever Valentine. I got engaged to my best friend, my life partner, my person. It's been such a journey with you, my love. You got to be built for this S. I ain't gonna lie. The sleepless nights, the commute, the time apart, my worry about you every day with you being in there. I never met such an intelligent human being like you. The way you think in life, the way you move, you teach me something new every day. I never met somebody who wanted more from me. I never knew what real love felt like till I met you. To be able to be loved by you is the biggest blessing within itself. I never had nobody in my corner or who's full throttle on my team. Right or wrong, you've done more for me 
behind them bars more than anybody on these streets. You mean like hip-hop bars, right? Mm-mm. Yes, sir. That's, no. That's, come on. Like, so, like monkey bars at the playground? <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, the, like bars where they sell like alcohol? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, happy hour. They yeah, don't love it, happy yeah, yeah, yeah. hour. So at the end of the aisle was a tripod <laughs> with a tablet on it, and it was her man. At Dry Bar? From prison. Oh. Huh? <laughs> Proposing uh-huh. to her. Yeah. <laughs> so you see, like, I, the giant marry me letters, the flowers, the, the aisle, <laughs> the whole night, the fireworks. And she walks down to a tablet <laughs> of her man in prison. And that's where he proposed. Now, wow. would you like me to tell you what he posted from prison? Oh, please. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So he posted the video because there's family, there's friends there filming this whole thing. And he was like, um, I love you, Isabel. I had a vision since I was a kid looking up to my uncle. And I wanted the love he had with his baby mama. And I wanted the same thing. Baby, now I get to marry you. And then he goes on to say, you will be my partner in crime. That's not it, bro. Everybody except for people in prison are allowed to say that. You can use any other cliche. Any other cliche. He literally said, you will be my partner in crime till death do us part. I promise to be the best version of myself, Isabel Jones. I promise to give you a husband you wouldn't trade for in the world because you know right or wrong, mm. I'm sticking by your side through it all. Where and then at the end, go? he goes, oh, yeah, full video on my YouTube, my bad. <laughs> you know what? This is great. I love this because this teaches women who have partners outside of prison that if they're not doing what they need to be doing, like all these grand gestures, and you know, if he wanted to, he would yep. from prison. There, so there you go. Yep. There you go. That man ain't got nothing else to do, Abby. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little easier for him. They had jobs in prison. Okay. Like, Competition I, never stops. Man. I'm not going to lie. It's a beautiful, beautiful proposal. Yes. Mine is the tablet of him in prison at the end of the aisle. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I, a little bit. What, what is he in prison for, by the way? We don't so know, I'm going to do, do some digging. Kay. I think I can figure it out. I do not know as of right now, but I have I have their names, so I think I can figure out what he's in for and how long he's going to be in there for. Well, is it, I mean, there's a difference between being in jail and being in prison. Prison is Correct. hardcore, right? So mm-hmm. I don't even know that it matters. That's like next level, right? Well, I mean, if they're going to be, if he's going to be in prison or jail for a couple of years, I mean, that's going to be a long engagement, yes. long planning process. Five to ten years is a lot different than twenty-five to life. Yes. Yeah. So, how I, do you even meet? Do you think they knew each? Now I need to know more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get. So we now have this little nugget, uh-huh. right? And and the the internet is now highly invested as we are. <laughs> so I will do some more digging and see if I can get their love story, and. How long he's in for. I mean, it wouldn't be that unusual. I mean, we do hear from time to time that a woman uh, starts becoming friends with a guy that's in prison. It's the first time they've ever talked. They become um, friends and then they become much more. And she's never met him in person. <laughs> Just um, they're in a committed relationship while he's in jail. That that shocks me. I, I get somebody goes in while y'all are together and you want to stick it out with them. But to <laughs> actually meet them in prison, I, I don't understand how that happens. I mean, for two guys that like their space. This is this an awful idea here? Oh, no, for, for the guy in prison, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it don't get better than this. Now he's like, while well, I'm locked up, I got to lock it down, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm a married comes, man. She comes by every now and then for one of those conjugal visits, right? And then she's got to take off. He's free for the next three weeks. Leave him with a pack of Kit Kats. My man is happy. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Bird Show. Thanks for listening. Get more Bird Show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.